I'm Kim. And I'm Tara. Welcome to Unapologetically You. Before we introduce our guest today, we want to take a quick second to thank you for all the love and support you've shown us as we pursue our passion project. We cannot thank you enough. We appreciate every like, every comment, and every rating. It's hard to tell your own story. Our guests have all been incredibly brave and open when sharing with us. That courage has helped us all to truly step in the shoes of someone else. And friends, holy cats and kittens, we have one cool guest today. And shocking, her name is Carol. You wouldn't think a church organist would wear a leather-studded baseball hat, but guess who does? Carol! She went from living the American dream to starting all over at nearly 60 years old. She is honestly the true definition of a strong woman, and in her words, she's living the best years of her life. We hope you enjoy Carol's story. Welcome, Carol. We're so excited to have you today, and we're so happy you decided to share your story with us on Unapologetically You. Thank you. So, Carol, um, I know a little bit about your story just from like a one-time lunch that we all went to, and I was so impressed by your ability to honestly just kind of like follow your intuition. Your story in and of itself was, it's just remarkable that like you have such this like natural gut instinct that like led you to where you are today. Carol, why don't you give us a little glimpse of what your life looks like right now? Um, Right now, I've been in Geneva for 14 years. I love my life in Geneva. It's been amazing ever since the day I decided to move here. I loved my life before too, but it's just been totally different. Before the pandemic hit, uh, I'm a church organist and I've been an organist for 12 years at St. Mark's in Geneva. And then now I'm at the CUCC church and I've been there for two years. And I have a little decorating business, interior design, called Inviting Interiors. And I I'm a pianist at Von Maur department store, which I love. Yeah. And I um, have a few piano students. Wow. Yeah. I did my own little business and um, I did it in St. Louis too. And then when I moved here, I decided that was what I was going to start trying to do first. Sure. And um, because I didn't have any idea what I was going to do when I moved here. And that's like, that's what's so remarkable about your story, right? Like it was, you you didn't have any idea and you just still went for it and it somehow worked out, right? Right, right. I really think it wasn't just my gut feeling though, because I, um, I really wanted to start over somewhere. I felt like it was the first time since college that I could maybe do something different just for me after I was getting a divorce. And I thought, this is my only chance. And my parents had both passed away and I really didn't have any reason I had to stay there. Um, My son had already moved to Washington, DC and my daughter and her husband had just gotten married and they were going to not always be in St. Louis. So they said, please don't stay here for us because we don't know where we're going to end up. So, okay. So obviously you just said you're divorced now. So how long, how long were you married? I was married 37 years to my high school sweetheart. And I never really knew life without him, really. I mean, we knew each other from junior high school. So it was a really big shock. I knew things weren't going too well, but he never said, I want a divorce. You know, I don't want to be married. He, The most thing he ever said was, I don't know what I want. When I would say, you know, what's wrong? Why are, why are things not working? And he would just say, I don't know what I want. Well, I don't know what that means exactly. Right. Um, maybe a midlife crisis, you know, who knows. But then it just never got better. I guess I didn't realize that you had been married for 37 years either. So obviously you had built this life together and you had your kids and you had everything like 
seemingly was perfect, right? Yeah, we were kind of this respectable couple. We worked in our in our churches for many, many years together. I was the organist. He was the choir director. He was a professional musician, a trumpet player, and a band director. We had two great kids. I mean, we had a million friends. And then I found out he had was having an affair with one of my friends from my church, who was the church secretary. Um, which is just like, are you kidding? You know, like, it's one of those. I know. You don't do that at church? I know. That's what I thought, too. <laughs> My daughter was working for the St. Louis Symphony as um, in um, marketing. Uh-huh. She got a phone call from her dad one day. She wasn't there to answer the phone, so he left a message on her office phone. And it was he and his girlfriend together for 15 minutes on her phone. So she called him. Hold the phone. Wait a minute. It was like a butt dial. And then it was 15 minutes of that. Like He really called her, but he didn't know he was still on the phone. And so they were, I think they were just laughing and talking and stuff. It wasn't anything. Well, she never would tell me what they were saying, but she um, knew that they were together. She called her dad the next, she called her brother. And then they called their dad the next day and said, if you don't tell mom we will he had to tell me but he wouldn't tell me by myself he had to take me to the counselor's office to tell me in front of the counselor he didn't want to tell me by himself and so afterwards he just said well i just didn't know this would affect so many people anyway i basically told him that day i don't want to be married to you anymore of course that's when you know then it it still took four more years after that before we were finally divorced but uh he moved out and i lived in our new house that we'd purchased for almost two years by myself because he had this little bedroom one bedroom apartment it was more it was horrible at the time i have to tell you i almost thought i don't know if i want to live or die because i didn't know how to live without him yeah it was really hard And I felt embarrassed for my kids. I thought, you know, I'm so sorry that I picked him for your dad. I was embarrassed. And I was ashamed of him in front of all of our church friends, you know. And it was just horrible. And so... Once I kind of realized I didn't, I wanted to live basically, then I decided I'm going to figure out what to do with the rest of my life. And both of our kids were married. So I felt kind of free for the first time. Right. That's when I decided to start looking around and I didn't want to stay there because I knew he and his girlfriend were going to keep going to our church because they sang in the choir and everything. They weren't about to leave the church. And a funny thing was our whole life, I was always into our home and making it look charming and homey and everything and so i did a lot of antiquing and a lot of things that i bought for their house uh, for the house i fixed up or i made them made i just made it all what i wanted it to be piece by piece right little things at a time so everything that we had in our home meant something to me and that was really hard at the beginning i thought we're gonna have to split everything up and i'm gonna lose so many things that I've collected over the years that are important to me or that mean something to me. Once I realized he didn't even want anything. Like he said before, I don't know what I want. He still didn't know what he wanted. And basically he didn't want anything. So once I realized I got to keep everything I wanted, I felt like that's a good part too. I can, I can be okay now because I'm not having to divide half my life up. And I know a lot of people have to do that. I mean, I had to give him some things and stuff, but he didn't really want that much. I knew I had to go somewhere. And then I drove to Florida and I looked at some places I investigated. I went to the Carolinas. I went to Hilton Head. I drove up the coast, went to Virginia where my son lived. I never could find this like perfect place I was looking for. And then I came to Chicago on the way home to visit my sister who lives, she lived in Bloomingdale at the time. And so she said, I think I want you to see St. Charles in Geneva. 
She said, I think you might like it. And we went out one day and looked at places. We walked into this townhouse and I said, I'd like to make an offer just like that. And so they accepted my offer and I was so excited. I drove back home to St. Louis and my attorney said, you can't buy a house now because you're not even divorced yet. And it's just too complicated. So I had to call him and tell him I can't buy the house, which was disappointing. And then Two weeks later, the realtor called and said, the owner will rent to you until you get your divorce. So I said, okay, okay. We got my house ready to sell. I put it on the market by myself and sold it in two weeks, packed up this gigantic moving van and moved up here in a blizzard in January. I had no idea. I remember crossing the river on the way up here and it felt awesome. And um, a friend from St. Louis came with me and she helped me move in. It was just awesome. I loved every minute of it. And then the very first day I was here and one of my neighbors came over, my next door neighbor, and she said, I'm divorced too. And she said, there are three of us here who are either widowed or divorced. We go out for breakfast once a month. Do you want to go? Right then I'm like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. Amazing. <laughs> so that's how it started, just like that. And and like I said, I had no idea what I was going to do. Nothing. I just knew I had to start over. Okay. So when you were on like this journey of finding your new starting place, what, where was the first place that you went again? I went to Florida. And so like when you get to Florida, what was it that you were looking for? Do you know? Or was it just like a feeling you were trying to find? I was looking for a charming place. That's what I wanted. Something that felt homey. Yeah. You had no plan, right? You just like kept driving. I looked around and then I went to these different places. I had made appointments. Like in Hilton Head, I'd made an appointment with a realtor to show me around. And I usually stayed all night in different towns and just explored the town to see. And I didn't I didn't want to stay in Hilton Head because I knew if I moved there, my hair would be flat all the time. <laughs> it's very hot and humid. That's awesome. Cross that off the list. <laughs> And so what happened then after that? Like, what did you, once you got here, once you got into this house, what did you decide to do? Well, first I wanted to get all settled because I knew I couldn't really start my decorating business until I felt like my house was in order. So I spent like three months getting my house fixed up the way I wanted. And then I decided I'm going to try to get my decorating business going. But I didn't really get started very easily because I didn't really know anybody. So um, in the meantime, my sister and I had gone to the mall to go shopping and so we went to Von Mar one day and all of a sudden I realized they have a pianist here well this is kind of this is what I do so I went to talk to the manager and he said well we don't usually have very many openings because people stay a really long time but he said if you'd like to turn in your resume we'd love to have it and then two months later he called me and said they had an opening so I auditioned and got the job there so that was in September when I started there that's when I started to kind of get to know more people at Von Mar. And then in the meantime, I kept trying, you know, I was trying to find a church to go to because I'd always been pretty active in my church. And I was always, I always considered myself somewhat religious. It was always a part of me, but I never really turned everything over and trusted God completely. During the divorce, that's what I had to do because I, I actually reached rock bottom. I don't know what I'm supposed to do anymore, God. You have to show me because I don't know what to do anymore. And so that's why I think once I got to that point, 
that's when things started working, but they weren't working before that. And then it seems like everything really did just fall into place for you. Everything did. Everything. The other thing was then after I got the job at Von Mar, then I was trying to find the church. So I did go to several other churches in Geneva and I never found, it's like my trip to Florida. I never found the right place. It just didn't work at that point. And I just kind of kept looking. So, so one day I was downtown in Geneva and I noticed there was a wedding at St. Mark's church. So I thought, I'm just going to go in and see what this church is like. And so I walked in and I was looking around and I peeked in and saw the wedding and everything. And, and I was reading the bulletin board just to kind of see what their activities are like and everything. And on the bulletin board was a notice that they were looking for an organist. I cannot even. Like how? I know. It was already past the deadline of when you could apply for the job. But I took the information and I thought, well, I'll just keep it and see. So two weeks later, I called this lady who was on that notice notice they hadn't found anybody so she said send us your resume so I did I had to put a new one together because I hadn't done one in like 20 years and so I put my resume together and then I had to go for an audition and then I had to go for an interview and I got the job now I have this Von Mar job and the church job and I'm already working on the decorating business once I started the church job in January then I got to know people and then I started getting decorating jobs so everything just kind of like you know fell into place and like you just said so you attribute that to giving it up to God totally and I years ago I would never have said that because I was kind of a control person you know and I thought if I work hard and do everything the way it should be done it's going to all work out but it wasn't always working even though I had a wonderful life don't get me wrong it was until the end it was really pretty wonderful life Mm -hmm. but there were things that weren't always right and until you finally realize and turn it over I think as long as we as long as we kind of keep trying to be in charge it doesn't quite go as well. And that's a hard thing to do to just give it all over. It is. Especially when you're used to being in control and used to just thinking this, if I do it this way, it's going to work right. to turn it all over and say, I, I don't have the answers and I need help. I mean, That's a really hard thing to do. It is hard. And it wasn't anything I'd ever done before. Once I did that, I was just kind of amazed. I'm still amazed to this day how things just keep working. It's unbelievable. And to think that I could move up here to a town, I had no idea anything about it and find two jobs that I totally love within 20 minutes of my house where I can use the skills I've been trained to use. And then I've met all these wonderful people and I've had, you know, wonderful parties and I've traveled and things have happened that I've never, I would never have happened if I hadn't moved here. Well, even like this, like, honestly, the start of it all, like the fact that yes, you settled in Geneva, but like you went from place to place, none of it felt right. You landed here. The house that you want to buy is not, you can't buy it. So you're like, all right, it's done. And then the guy that's selling it is like, I'll rent it to you. No big deal. And Geneva's kind of, to me, I feel like it's a small town. It's a big, it's a city, but it's a small town. Right. And especially being at St. Mark's, I feel like, I mean, I knew everybody and everything, but it's like, you couldn't get away with anything. One time I got a, a ticket on the way to Good Friday service. <laughs> And so he, you know, he, he ended up just giving me a warning and I, he said, where are you headed? And I said, well, I'm going to church for Good Friday service. And anyway, so I, he let me go and I went on and I just got a warning. So I'm at the church practicing for the, with the soloist and a lady walked in the church. She goes, Carol, the police are here looking for you. <laughs> and I said, oh, oh my gosh, why? So the policeman walks in, he goes, I forgot to give you your insurance card back. And I said, see, I told you I was going to church. (laughs) 
And then later that <laughs> evening, somebody said, oh, we heard that you got a, you got stopped by the police. And I said, oh, my gosh. I said, how did you know that? And they go, oh, everybody knows. <laughs> <laughs> it's a church. We all talk. <laughs> At some point, you know, you made your way to the church that both Tara and I go to. So how did you get here? I was at the church for 12 years. So, and so I decided I'm just going to start looking. Right. And then I had to audition for the committee and interview and everything. So then I got this other job, which again was 10 minutes from my house. I mean, I don't even know how to tell you. It's just like too many miracles. Yeah, well, absolutely. It's like one thing after the other. It just always seemed to work out for you. I mean, but of course, like you went through something that was super painful and super difficult to go through. And then you had enough courage to like go on this journey of figuring out where you needed to be and who, where you were supposed to belong, right? You know, like I had said earlier, like you trusted your instincts and you gave it up to God in your eyes like that, that this all, it just all was meant to kind of be, right? And I think I was a strong person before, but you know, I never even paid a bill my whole married life and I never bought my own car sure. or anything like that. And so here I am, I bought my own house. And then I pay all my own bills and I have bought two cars since I've been here. And I've just done things that I never, you know, ever thought I could do. Never really expected I would have to do, I guess. I got getting on the train and I would go into the city. I'm, I never thought I would get on a train and drive into the city of Chicago and, you know, meet friends there or sightsee. Or at one point I got to went an apartment there for six months with some friends and we shared it like it was a timeshare. So I had like four days and they had weekends. And so I got to have this little apartment in the city. I would never have ever thought of ever doing that before. And I, I feel like I had a lot more courage than I ever thought I had. It's so fun. Absolutely. And isn't it so crazy? Like, you know, obviously when you were married, you got married, like you said, like to your high school sweetheart, you know, you have this picture perfect life that everybody right. thought, right. you know, that's what the American dream, right? And then that all shatters. And like, here you are probably better than you were before, right? You know, like your story is just amazing because it all worked out, but it all worked out while you were learning to be you, you know, like the gratification of being able to do that on your own had to have been just a realization that you are strong. You can do this, right? It was, it was really fun for me to find that out about myself. And one of the reasons I think I did it, I wanted my kids to be proud of me. And I was just determined that I was going to make a life for myself that they would feel good about what I'd done. So I really, I worked hard at that, but they were really happy that I found a new life that I love. You know, I feel bad I'm not closer to them. One's in Boston and one's in D.C. or Virginia. They're happy that I have a happy life, you know, and because of that, too, we've had we meet for vacations together and things that I that I started after the divorce that we would never have done before either. Right. So do your kids still have like, do they still have a relationship with your ex-husband or is it was that broken? Um, somewhat. Someone broken. It took a while, especially for my daughter. It took a, a long time to feel good about him again. They're still not nearly as close as they used to be. That aspect of it is probably pretty difficult still, I would imagine, to this day to watch your kids kind of have that interaction. They don't see him that much, but like I didn't even see him for 10 years after we were divorced. And then I think it was my granddaughter's 
high school graduation that we were all going to be there together. And I was worried about it and my kids were worried, but they were worried because they thought we'd have a big argument or something. And I was worried because I thought I'm going to see him and fall in love all over again. And it turned out to be fine. It turned out to be really fine. So what was it like for you when you saw him for the first time after you'd already gone through everything you went through with him? You've gone through this whole transformation, right? Where you've kind of found yourself and found like your own courage and your own strength and found that you can do all these things yourself and that you don't need him. So when you actually see him again in person, what was that like for you? It didn't feel too bad, honestly. And I think it was because I had made a good life for myself. By the time I saw him again, I didn't feel like I needed him anymore. Right. When we were still going through the divorce, there was one time we were supposed to meet at the bank. And this is, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I actually hid in the bathroom and the lady, the teller, whoever the loan person was working with us said, um, you know, I'll tell you when he's gone. So she, she understood. Yeah. I just didn't even want to see him. Yeah. Looking back now, I think, well, that was silly. But at the time, I just couldn't deal with it. But um, it didn't feel bad to see him again. Well, and that had to be healing to even realize, like, I saw him. There's nothing terrible. <laughs> yeah, it, it felt really good. And so like now, um, I mean, so now, I mean, your life is, is still fantastic. Like, so this is, I don't know if you mind me asking, but how old are you now, Carol? 72. Right? No. I am. I am 72, but I don't try to, I try not to tell myself I'm 72. Right. No, but <laughs> You've got to live like the perfect with, with this husband, raise your kids and everything be perfect. Your world shatters. But then you get to live this whole new experience, this whole new life that some people dream about living their entire lives. And I've never lived by myself ever because I shared a room with my sister. Then I had college roommates. Then I got married. And I never, ever lived by myself like some people get to. It was really fun to have my own place. And honestly, some of my married friends, even to this day, they'll say, do you know how lucky you are? <laughs> and, and it's not that they don't have good marriages. They do. Right. But... It is kind of fun. You don't really have to answer to anybody. You get to make your own decisions. And it's been really some of the best years of my life. And I don't I don't mean to put the other years down because I love my raising my children and everything. That was fabulous. But I think partly because I, I ended up here and was still fairly young. I think I was 59 when I moved here. So I still felt like I had time to still have a, another life a little bit. Well, yeah, and you lived it. And you lived the best type of a second life you could have, right? Yeah. Going through the divorce part, um, I did a, a lot of reading. I did a lot of, um, not exactly Bible study, but I had books that were insightful religiously that gave me a lot of strength. And um, I worked really hard at trying to get through it. It, it didn't just happen. Right. Uh, I read a lot of books about why men do what they do and things like that. I just wanted to understand what happened, you know, and I still never got an explanation or even an apology or anything, but he went to our church friends and apologized to them. Okay. So Carol, so like, obviously your story is, it's just remarkable because again, you go on this journey of like finding you after everything that's happened. It just seems to work out. Every single thing that happened seemed to work out. You had no idea where you were going to live. You were open to living anywhere in the country. And here you are, you land in a place that was like your ideal vision of where you wanted to live. You get three jobs right away that are within, you know, a 20 minute drive for you. 
And you meet all these remarkable people that you build this whole new network. You have this whole new social group, like your instinct and obviously like your faith, like helped get you through all of this. That it's just your, your story to me is like one of those, like, it's like miraculous that it even worked every moment of the way, right? It is. So what advice would you give a woman whose life gets turned upside down? Everywhere I went on my journey to find a place to live and everything, every woman I talked to had almost a similar story. I mean, I couldn't even believe how many women I ran into who were kind of in my same age group, who had nice lives and everything, and then everything fell apart. I I really came to understand I wasn't alone. Yeah. It was this huge sisterhood of women out there who I never knew before because I was mainly with couples and everything. I didn't really realize how many women are out there really going through horrible things. Right. I think that was helpful because it made you feel like you're not really alone in, in all of and this. And that other people have been in these shoes and they've survived, right? Like that. Yes. When you share your story, like so often you find there is this whole sisterhood or brotherhood um, of people that are going through things just like you. And when you share your story, you can find these connections and understanding. And it's just so important to share, I think. And a lot of people don't want to share, I find too. You know, people don't want anyone to think that there's anything wrong in their life and or they're embarrassed or whatever. And I think until you really do share with people, they don't really know you. Yes. Yeah. You know, and, and you don't have a chance to have any effect on any other people until you are willing to open up your life a little bit. And once once I went through all that, I'm like, I don't care. It, my life's an open book from now on. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have anything to hide anymore. That's for sure. Well, and that's, that's freeing in and of itself too. Like at this point, it's, you know what? I'll tell you anything. If it, And especially if it's going to help somebody else, why not? Right. Yeah. When you go through it and you come out the other side and you're okay, it's looking back on it. You just want that for others too. And I, and I like to be able to tell women if I can, that they will be okay. So now that you're looking back at everything, um, things have worked out for you so wonderfully. Um, here in the last several years, would you do anything different? I might have done it sooner. <laughs> <laughs> That's an amazing answer. I love it. If I knew I could be this happy, I might have done it sooner. Because we only have one life to live. And if you can't, like, why not try to make it your most happy one ever? You know, like, I know, I know, I know. Um, so what have you learned most about yourself going through this entire process? I've learned I'm a really happy person, basically. And he used to always say, if you could just be happy. And I was happy. <laughs> and I'm and I'm even happier now. So, you know, I think he was kind of making me not happy. And I didn't even know why. There was something wrong, but I didn't know what it was that was keeping me from being happy with him. And once I was not with him anymore, I was really pretty darn happy after I got over the worst part. You Good. Know. So what was the hardest part of the whole journey, do you think? Just the very beginning of it, the shock and the horrible sadness of it. That was the hardest part. Once you, once you get through that part, you know, then you can kind of start living again. But that was really hard. That was really hard. And, and you know, you call girlfriends or something and you just wanted someone to be able to say, make it okay. But nobody can make it okay. You just have to go through it. That's all there is to it. Yeah. So I think I know this answer, but have you always followed your intuition or is this something that kind of just happened after everything? 
Um, no, I think I've kind of always followed my intuition. I'm kind of stubborn and I'm kind of, like I said, a little bit of a control person. So Carol, what do you hope that the takeaway is of your story for all of our listeners? Oh, I would just hope that women realize they have a lot more strength than they think they do and that there's joy sometimes after things that are horrible. You can be okay again. So never give up and get out there and take a chance on something that might lift your heart. That's great. That's great. That is great advice. Carol, that could not have been easy to share. You've honest, you've inspired us. I'm sure you're going to inspire people at home. And like your story just in general, it's just like such a feel good pick me up because it didn't have to go that way, but it is now that way. Before we let you go, we just have a few fun pop questions that we're going to ask you. Okay. Okay. Justin Bieber or Justin Timberlake? Oh, God. I don't like either one. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Toilet paper, do you like it over or under? Over. Yeah. Ah, Nice. Definitely. Okay, what's the most ridiculous fact that you know? Oh, my goodness. I don't know. I don't know. All right, how about this one? What is your stance on pineapple on pizza? No. Agreed. All right, last one, Carol. You're arrested. What do your friends and family assume it was for? Probably speeding. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Oh, well, Carol, listen, your story has been so inspiring. You are so cool. (laughs) Thank you. And your story has been absolutely amazing to hear and fun to hear. And your strength is just amazing. Um, Thank you so much for sharing your story with us and for sharing it with our listeners. And most of all, thank you for being unapologetically you. Thank you for having me. We're so happy you joined us and we hope this story inspired you to be unapologetically you. Join us next time for another remarkable journey. And if you or someone you know has a story to share, please reach out to us on our website at unapologeticallyyoupodcast.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and Instagram at Unapologetically You Podcast. And please subscribe, rate, and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbean so that we can continue to inspire you.